Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin and Beyond. Oh, yeah, we got some libertarian subjects to talk about today. All right. Today is August the 16th, 2023. Long-term thinking. Bitcoin always returns to its all-time high. This is where the big boys play. Best guest in the freaking space. Oh, I've got a special one for you today. Hello, my elite friends. We are in the golden age. Having hype is coming soon. In motion, value your wealth in Bitcoin. Most people are irrational most of the time. Remember, do not pedestal the people that are out there. Okay, you could change your behavior. Compete, don't complain. I got Bitcoin conviction. Elite friends, we got a really special show here. Retweet it. Dr. Vance Gim is making his debut on the This Week in Bitcoin show. All of his information is linked to below. All of Andy's information is linked. Yeah, Andy Hoffman is back again. And oh my God, three times in a row, we got Ulrich here. He is linked to below. Click on them right now. Follow all of them on Twitter right this second. They got a lot to say. Now, there's a couple of you that don't, you don't know who Dr. Vanskin is because you were in this Bitcoin bubble, okay? Everything you hear about Bitcoin is either in the crypto land, the Bitcoin land, whatever. You got to expand your mind. So I got a guy in here. He's going to tell you things that maybe you, you never heard about Bitcoin before. Maybe he's going to say some nice things about gold. I'm not exactly sure. But nah, this, come on. <laughs> this, this dude <laughs> has been around the block. I have been paying attention to him. And I really like what he, I love his show, his YouTube show. He's got people talking about free banking. I mean, all, all sorts of interesting things. But I want to start, we're going to start with him. He's going to talk about himself a little bit. But I want to say, read to you what the Texas Observer said about him on May the 30th, 2019. Top economist for Texas's most influential policy shop is headed to the Trump administration. Vance Ginn, who orchestrated Texas Public Policy Foundation's radically right-wing economic agenda, is the latest staffer from the influential think tank to work for the president. As director of TPPF Center for Economic Prosperity, uh, Ginn was the voice for the think tank's radically right-wing economic agenda. He advocated for harsh spending restraints and against and against reg, re, regulation for fossil fuel industries. Oh my! Yes. He he has called for federal minimum the federal minimum wage a terrible policy. I agree, and likens it to artificial pricing by government decree, which which it is. In Gin's ideal world, both state and federal governments would abolish property and business taxes. Oh, my Lord, please let it happen. And replace them with a consumption. I wouldn't replace it with anything. Anyway, this they were scaring everyone about the, the, the Dr. Van Skin here, that he was going to join the evil Trump administration and you know, take away minimum wage and uh, all these things that are supposedly radical. So you served a year in the Trump administration. Welcome to the show. Adam, it's a pleasure with you. I mean, I guess I am a radical, so uh, let's keep it going. <laughs> yeah. In the right uh, place. <laughs> I mean, what, yeah. what, what, how, how, what was your time like that year in, in, in the Trump administration? 
It was a wild uh, year, Adam. I mean, I went there June 2019, basically left in June 2020. Uh, actually, it was May of 2020 and helped write the president's last budget, went through all these different areas. So basically, I was a chief economist for the Office of Management and Budget. So I was in the Eisenhower Executive Office you know, building right next to the White House. You could go in the West Wing anytime and do that sort of thing. My main job was to help come up with the economic assumptions that go in the president's budget to determine the next 10-year window of what GDP was going to be, interest rates, inflation, like at a whole team that would look at this sort of thing. Um, and, and then, you know, and then the second part of that year, though, was when COVID hit. And, and then I found myself in the situation room. And as someone who is a first-generation college student, who didn't want to get a PhD in economics, I went to homeschool from seventh grade through 12th grade. Um, you know, these th being in the situation room, uh, in the White House was an extraordinary thing. And unfortunately, it was during a, a time where I'd rather not have been there um, and, and talking about what's this going to do to the economy, the shutdowns and everything. And I was basically like, look, this is going to be terrible. We, we can't shut things down. The government should not be in that sort of a role. Um, and so shortly thereafter, I moved back to Texas where I, where I grew up and everything and uh, back, back to some sense of freedom compared to what was happening up there. So, so did you leave because of the policies? Did you start to think this is getting ridiculous? Or is that the reason? Or was it other reasons? Or? Yeah, there, there was part of that. Um, I, I, definitely with the policy part of it. And, and then also my family lived in Texas. And so we wanted to get back to, to what everybody was doing here. This is where we're from, you know, near, near Austin. Uh, I grew up in Houston, uh, but now we're in Round Rock. I, I try not to claim the People's Republic of Austin. Uh, they have they have a lot of bad policies that are going on there, but there's a lot of good things in Austin too. Uh, but yeah, it was a combination though, Adam, of like the policy direction, you just just feeling frustrated about the direction of where things were going, but also wanting to get back home to you know family. Now, now your basic premise of what you talk about at, at the think tank now, or and you and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, at the state level. We need to, you know, cut spending at the budget. This is a simple thing, and the, and the federal people can learn from us. Yeah. But it's 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 obviously easier to do at a local level. Did you get frustrated at being in the center, being at the federal level, and did did you compromise a little bit by being at the federal level? Do you like uh, being at, at the state level a little bit more? Do you believe in that decentralization aspect of true federalism? Yeah, I think federalism is important. We need this laboratory of competition to see what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, that's why I started my own thing. I have Gin Economic Consulting now that I started last October. Um, it left, left the Texas Policy Foundation, which I've been there off and on for 10 years. Uh, now I work with other think tanks like the Pelican Institute in Louisiana, Americans for Tax Reform in D.C., and, and several others that are out there. Texas Fiscal Responsibility is another one. Um, and, and really focus in on spending restraint. And we need spending limits. You know, we need lower taxes as much as possible. But look, government spending is the ultimate burden of government. And because if you don't spend it, you don't need to tax it. And if you don't spend it, you can't regulate it. We can't have a bureaucracy and everything else. And so we really got to focus in on government spending. So when I was at the federal level, you know, we were trying to find cuts. We found $4.6 trillion in cuts over a decade. Now, that's compared with baseline growth, so not actual cuts like I would like and probably we would like uh, for the overall budget. But at least we were trying to rein in government spending. And then, of course, as we know, is what happened after COVID is all that went out the window. I mean, not that Congress is going to listen to the president's budget anyway, but because, I mean, their, their incentives are such 
to keep giving handouts, right? Give a, increase government spending and at the same time cut taxes. I'm not a supply side economist either that says that tax cuts just pay for themselves. You've, you've really got to have spending restraint at the end of the day as well. There will be growth, right, from, from the incentives that change when you cut taxes, but you really got to have government spending restraint at the same time. So, so no, I did find it frustrating. I think it is easier to do at the state and local level, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done there as well. And, and, and ultimately, when we're looking at $33 trillion in national debt, a trillion a year just on net interest payments on the debt alone, $2 trillion a year, and for the foreseeable future in deficits, about half of that is just coming from net interest payments. This is unsustainable. It's insolvency, and it's one of the reasons why I think we need to be looking at things like Bitcoin and, and other sort of cryptos that are out there. So I think all this starts to come Not together. Not other cryptos. Not other cryptos. Okay. Bitcoin. okay. All right. Here we go. And by <laughs> Vance, you know, and it's great that you're, you're here with us now and that you're talking about Bitcoin, and I'm hope, hoping you're investing everything you got in it personally, because when you were in that job, I think you knew as much as philosophically all these things that you are saying are correct, that we are so far into this Ponzi scheme that there is nothing that could be done to slow down spending in any way. doesn't matter who's right. president. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and, and that's one reason why I've been in favor of putting in spending limits like something that's a rule, the restraint, fiscal rule. And even then, I think there are some problems that, that they're going to find ways around it, right? as you know, right? Uh, but we need to find some way. This is, what, this is what most of the states do. 37 states have a spending limit. Um, why shouldn't the, the federal government should have it as well, especially when they don't have a balanced budget amendment? And I'm not a huge fan of balanced budgets because I don't think we should be raising taxes. That actually is counter to balancing a budget because then you slow the economy and everything else. We've really got to focus in on, on government spending. And that's led by a lot of our fiat currency system that we have today, unfortunately. Well, okay, now you, you've seen it at the federal level go completely get out of the control with the virus spending. I mean, no one could have dreamed of that. Um, but, but but at the you know Texas level, you've seen some restraint and stuff. Do you think we're going, especially if this administration uh, sticks around for the next, uh, you know, after 2024, do you see at the state level some of these states just going their own way? Not not secession, but financial nullification, maybe just ignoring the federal government with, with certain uh, with certain policies. Yeah, I think there could be some of that going on, especially when you think about um, government spending and how much it's growing for things like Medicaid and other safety net programs. I mean, it's it's a massive cost that I think that there needs to be more flexibility of what states can do to counter some of those costs and the connection and the dependency on taxpayers from across the country that's funded through by the federal government. I mean, we, we've got to make sure that, you know, there's no free lunch. There, there's there's somebody's paying those taxes and it's taxpayers from the productive private sector. And, and in order to make sure that we have that connection, we've got to get spending under control. And so the states really have to take their authority to do what they need to do best. Um, you know, Texas, for example, has done a better job than many other states in, in restraining spending. If you look at something like population growth plus inflation, which is one metric, I think that's probably the maximum that it should be. I'd love for it to see being cut, you know, spending being cut entirely. But but Texas has done a pretty good job of staying within that sort of metric over time, kind of like Colorado's Taxpayer Bill of Rights um, and a couple of other states as well. But most states have not. When you think about places like California, um, you know, Colorado, I know, Andy, you said you're in, you're in Colorado. I mean, they've, they've actually done a pretty good job. We could always be doing better, but they've done a pretty good job. And you got most of the other states up in the Northeast that have not done a good job spending. And so this is, brings about a good opportunity for people to move with their feet, right? And we've seen that. 
we, we've seen the competition where places like California and New York, where are they moving? They're moving to places like Texas and Florida and Tennessee, which happen to not have a personal income tax, which I think is really important. They're, those are three of the seven states in, 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 the, in the country that, that don't have a personal income tax, which I think is really important there. Now, this federalism aspect that we're, we're touching on here briefly, I just want to say to people, this is the ultimate protection about against a President Elizabeth Warren for Bitcoin. Mm. That in the end of the day, Wyoming hopefully will have the cojones to say, no, we're not going to you know, criminalize Bitcoin, which you, you want to do. Um, and it is still very possible. So I'm very encouraged in any state when I see guys like Dr. Banskin, you know, working on a state level, doing uh, involved in economic policies that I, I very much support that are not uh, going with the flow of what the mainstream federal lovers are, are saying now. Before the panel members are going to have lots of questions here. And, yeah. and I encourage everybody in the super chat to do a super chat to ask questions because we got a unique guy who, who's who's seen the inside of things over there. And remember, link to uh, below is the uh, Tone Bay's uh, uh, Las Vegas event, uh, December uh, code Meister 8. You get a discount. It's ever just read the notes section, people. Um, but Dr. Vanskin, I, I got to say, um, did you when you were in the when you were in the White House, when you worked in the federal government, what, 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 was there any Bitcoin talk? I mean, I, the thing is, uh, the, the, the President Trump, uh, basically some of the things that he said that, that dealt with the money were very, uh, we just learned that Trump has 300 million of Ethereum. Uh, not yeah, 300, yeah, how much is it? 300,000? He's got a three million? He's got some, he's got some cryptocurrency, but my point is he said yeah. The, the president said, you know, he basically implied that, you know, the dollar, be loyal to the dollar. You know, if you're pa a patriot, you like the dollar and that he didn't like cryptocurrency. Did, so did you ever hear any cryptocurrency talk when, when you're when you're in there? Not not really. Okay. Um, just I was thinking back as you were asking that and there really wasn't that much discussion of it um, at the time, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, of course. I, I, I wouldn't think so. I, I just thought he spoke off the cuff right there. Andy, you're going to say something. Sorry. No, no, I, I mean, it's just funny that, you know, Trump, we, they just said that he has all this Ethereum. So obviously, you know, people say one thing and they do other things. And uh, we, all, we all know that everyone is, uh, everyone knows about it now. It's just a matter of how fast uh, people start to talk about it politically. And there's, you know, they're going to talk about the guy in Argentina when we have RFK Jr. And there's lots of people out there talking about it. It's just a matter of time. Uh, before everyone does. Yeah, exactly. But with, with, with Trump and the uh, Ethereum that they found out he, he owns, he he created a free, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, a little, a little a Trump uh, token or whatever it was. What, what do you call it? He had, he had an NFT. Yeah, an NFT. It was a Trump NFT. And so I don't even know how he got away with, you know, selling them and everything. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I believe personally anyone should be able to print their own money. Uh, you know, it's free banking, and there shouldn't be all these banking restrictions. And again, Dr. Vansky, you had on your show a really good guest who just spoke about that. So I, so I, I, I yeah, Larry White, Dr. Larry White, we talked yeah. a lot about free banking and his, yeah. his his new book, uh, Better Money, which he, you know, he, he's, I don't know, I guess he's kind of a not a critic, but a, maybe um, someone who's cautious about yes. Bitcoin and other things. So it was it was a good discussion that we had on the Let People Prosper show um, just a couple months ago. Yes. So that show actually was like the, the fire. I was like, I got to get Dr. Fanskin on this show because he, that guy, he wasn't, no, he was not against Bitcoin, right. but he was just like, 
let people, if people want gold, if people want Bitcoin, let them do what they're going to do. Now, he he, pointed, he actually said some good things about Bitcoin, and then he said one bad thing or something like that. So what is what is your take on Bitcoin? Then? Yeah, I, look, I think that we need um, more competition in the market, just like we were talking about federalism between the federal government and the states and, and that sort of competition that's out there. I, I think the dollar needs competition, and, and I think that is an important part of Bitcoin to, to be that to be competition. Um, you know, I, I think whenever you think about a medium of exchange, um, I don't know that it's quite there yet. We, it's still got a ways to go. Um, but there are some things about the dollar which are have a lot of problems. Um, there, you know, a lot of countries are moving off of it as a reserve global reserve currency that it has been for so long as they're selling off those dollars they're selling off the treasury securities and that's going to create other problems throughout our economy and so you're you're going to need something else for people to go into to to look at to use for a lot of their transactions and so whenever you think about like i was mentioning earlier with the deficits continuing to soar from overspending by congress from the net interest on the debt we're going to have some major problems where i think the fed is going to be pushed or even forced to continue to um, manipulate the economy and, and print money, which is going to debase. It's going to de um, uh, depreciate the dollar over time and create other problems throughout our economy. And, and, and so people need something else that they can go to. And, you know, and with the blockchain technology with Bitcoin, I think, I think that that's huge. You know, and I think that there are so many things that are associated with that that allows for people to have more of their um, private property, which, which I'm, I'm a free market capitalist, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm about free markets and capitalism is based a lot on private property and the essential parts of what Bitcoin can provide really provides more of that uh, uh, privacy, more more of those private property rights in general that I think are are essential. Um, I'm, I'm not sold yet that it will be the, the reserve currency or, or, or that it will will take over the dollar. Um, but that but I'm glad to have a conversation about it to see what options should be, because I do think the dollar um, it, it has a lot of problems moving forward. Yeah. Well, you you just brought up a lot of points of things that I wanted to talk about today. Good. I, I want to say that the I believe in separation of money and state. Obviously, yes. Sir Ulrich here, he's got a whole. He'll talk about that's a, a big thing of his uh, declaration of financial independence. It's it's linked to below, by the way, people. But it is funny that the government thinks, uh, especially Elizabeth Warren, thinks that the, the United States uh, the, the, uh, should have a monopoly on money. The United States. The dollar, the people can't make the make any choice. Monopoly on money, but uh, and, and Adam, the, the, the Google, Adam, Google, they're going to say is got got a monopoly on. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have a real monopoly. No, and, and Adam, I should just mention, like I'm, I'm for a free banking system. Kind of when we were talking with Larry White that time on the Let People Prosper show, okay. I'm for a free banking system where banks can issue their own currency and everything. And I think Bitcoin would be a part of that process. Um, and you know, and, and there's and like you're right. If they're talking about monopolies. The government's the biggest monopoly. You know, they're coming through antitrust and trying to break up these companies and tech firms and everything else. But look, if the if consumers have sovereignty in the marketplace, we need to give them more power instead of giving it more to government. I got I got to interject real quick. I got to ask this Please. question before we get too far. So, yeah. you, uh, Vance, you were talking about uh, how California, the up the the Northeast, mm. they they handle their budget in a different way versus say a Texas or maybe maybe some states in the Midwest. Um, just from uh, if you can sum it, summarize the philosophy of what you think the New England states think money is and how it should be used. We all we all understand that money is a tool. Yeah. Um, but it, do they? I guess what I say is. 
we, we call it store value, medium of exchange, unit of account. Would there be an extra feature that they think, and we're talking about people at the state level, at the authority level, that they think money is or should be in its role in society? No, that's, that's a good question, Ulrich. Um, I, I, I think whenever you drill into it, it, I don't, I don't know. So if, if you look at, it reminds me of some of the things that you were talking there about like Elizabeth Warren, uh, Bernie Sanders, the MMT modern monetary theory, right. Where in their views, money doesn't really matter too much. It, it's really about getting the outcomes that they want. And then they go back from there to come up with their philosophy or their theories of how they get to that point. And so I don't know that they have a great, value of money or really understand how much of it is an exchange that it is. And whenever you take a step back, this is what, um, you know, I talk quite a bit about is the amount of trust that it takes with that money. Cause each one of those exchanges that takes place in the marketplace, which are just institutions, it brings about a lot of trust. And, and that to me is really a big part of what money is in this medium of exchange, unit of account, store of value. I think the medium of exchange is the number one thing. I'm, I come more from the Austrian school of economics. And, and, and so I really think that the medium of exchange is the key part of what takes place there. And when I think about some of the, to your question, though, about the Northeast or some of these MMTers and others, I, I don't think they put a lot of value to money. It's more about getting their policy prescriptions in place for nationalized health care, for free college education, and then however they can get to that point from A to A to B, they're willing to do it without really caring much about money. But I don't know. Others may have a different viewpoint there. I think they see uh, government money as a way of political control, a way to mm. get political power. Yeah, I was, I was looking for that word. And, that, that's, and that's, what, uh, that's what what's his name? Uh, forget his name. Andreas Antonopoulos, uh, mm. old old school Bitcoiner, he was he was he was speaking to a group of people maybe six months ago, and he added that fourth constraint or that fourth uh, that fourth mode, if you will, where it's store value, medium exchange, unit of account, but a form of control. And yeah. I see that we don't talk about that enough because we're when people see a dollar, they they don't see how can how can a piece of paper control me you know i control i'm holding i'm bigger than it i get i give it to someone they give me a candy bar but the the greater scope of what economics is that we aren't taught in in our public school education we aren't even given uh, an inkling of it until maybe the the end of senior year or if you choose an elective in college but these are the types of base level principles that we people, the regular people, should need to know how the world works. And the yeah. government's not going to tell you that the elite, the elites that run the education system, they're not going to tell you that because it will infringe upon their monopoly of this hidden knowledge, if you will, where they're using the fiat currency system to uh, dictate how people live their lives. And that's why Bitcoin uh, not in control of any one institution, truly decentralized, can take that form of control out of money entirely. Well, well basically, inflation financially enslaves the masses. That's that's the power tool right there. It, it, it gives them complete. They become dependent. Inflation. Keep on your MMT is going to make more and more of the masses dependent on uh, daddy government, and then right. that's uh, that's part of the way some of those. Uh, Northeastern uh, Yankees see it, I think. I mean, I, and per, and permission and permission based, you know. So if you, yeah. you if you could take someone off the system, like 
like how they took Russia off the off the what is it called? I forgot the the term. Yeah, yeah. Swift. Yeah. You know, they get to say, hey, you're bad. You're a bad actor. You're out of the system. But Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin, they call it. It's Bitcoin is money uh, for your enemies. And so you have to no matter what, everyone has access to the Bitcoin network. And that's there's something important about that yeah. that brings about freedom to all participants and let the free market decide what is good for the one another's rather yeah. than a select few. And that's very important because the select few, they have also a limited knowledge of what 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 is the right decision for the world. Why do we why do we rely on 20, 40, 60 people in the Federal Reserve to determine the value of the dollar for the next six weeks? It makes no sense. Well, the, the thing is, yeah. though, what you've just described is that if a country were to adopt Bitcoin as its as its currency, they would give up uh, all financial power over their people, and these these people are power hungry. So, uh, we, who knows how far some of these uh, Bitcoin fans uh, that that are in office are, are going to take it? Um, mm-hmm. It would be great if they took it all the way. I never see them taking it all the way, but I do I, I do want to get to something that Doctor uh, t- uh, touched on real quick, and uh, it, it was it reminds me of something that Andy actually. Uh, uh, DM me the uh, other day. The imminent massive financial currency crisis that is racing toward us. Andy, mm-hmm. I- expand upon that. What, what do you think is the uh, imminent financial uh, currency crisis that is racing toward us? Right. And then, you know, first I'll just go back to what we were saying. You know, last week on the show, when you brought up CBDCs, we were talking about, you know, government trying to take power. And I said that, that it would never happen because. This is just more Atlas Shrug stuff. You know, every fiat currency regime fails. It always has. And if, if this is, I mean, this is clearly the end of this one because now the debt and inflation is spiraling out of control and, uh, and uh, people are shunning the dollar. And now we all actually have an alternative for the first time. It's usually things crash and then another horrible regime appears. But now we have Bitcoin and that's where everyone's going to go this time. And, uh, you know, I mean, we've been, I've been talking about this forever, so have many of us, but it's, it's quite obvious now that the, the government has no more bullets left. Uh, if they try, when the, I mean, this time around, when they try the QE and lowering rates, it's going to be disastrous um, because it's going to this time cause people to sell bonds, not buy them. And, uh, and we know what, what the end result is. It's just a matter of time. And this is not a long period of time. Because the interest rates at this level are literally destroying the world. And there's nothing they can do about it except prescribe a new round of QE, which, again, people will not take well to. Well, see, yeah. we can have a I, I, I think there will be financial issues. I mean, we, we're, we're going through inflation all over the world right now. Um, and it will be worse in some countries than other countries. Some countries, it's just, you know, we're going to talk about Argentina. You know, hyperinflation, it's something that happens every 10 years. I mean, my, my question is, if 80% of the country is asleep, then does inflation politically matter? If 80% of the country thinks 2 plus 2 equals 5, because the government says 2 plus 2 equals 5, if the government says there's no inflation, be happy, and a lot of the country believes that, then is there a crisis? What's really going on? I mean, People are getting destroyed now, Adam. I mean, huh? you're, 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 you, you talk about a bubble that we're in. You're living the simplest of life and, and not really seeing anybody. You were clo- cloistered in your rooms and your conferences. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know people who are getting destroyed out there. I mean, these interest rates are killing people. Inflation is killing people. And it's going to keep going. It's There's nothing that's going to stop it. 
And well, I mean, like right. you know, we were talking about yesterday, currencies in other countries. It is astounding how how far down some of these other currencies are. I mean, people are being devastated, and there's no turning back. I mean, the government can't, the Fed can't just say we're gonna we're gonna print money again in lower rates. They can't well, do that anymore. It's that's that, that's where we differ. Yeah. I think the C, the CBDC. Yeah. I think they can't. They'll be able to do all sorts of fun things. Well, with we've that. talked about that. They don't yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. They, that's they, right. They that's have what we got, doctor. And they have no money. So that's right, doctor. So, doctor King, your take yeah. on this. Your take well, on no. This. I, I, I think y'all bring up a lot of good points there. And I, I'm really concerned about the economy. I mean, from my view, I, I really think that we went into a recession in March of 2022. Uh, if you look at gross domestic output, the average of real gross domestic product and gross domestic income, it's been declining for three out of the last five quarters. Um, if you look at a lot of other measures that are out there, we've seen declines. If you look at the jobs reports, yes, there's it seems like things are good. But when you look under the hood, you know, there's there's declines They're They're revising a lot of those numbers because their seasonal adjustments are all off from what happened during the pandemic. And they're using those last couple of years of averages to do their seasonal adjustments. And so I think there's going to be a lot of revisions downward um, in the months ahead because of the problems that are going on. And when you look at a lot of those data, a lot of them are part time jobs and it's a lot of people who have got two jobs. So so if you take away those there are very few that are getting full-time jobs in this environment and and it's a it's unfortunate and, and so what that does is that then puts pressure on what the federal reserve is doing uh whenever they're going to be pausing and i think that there's still a lot of inflationary pressures that are out there underneath i mean i know cpi inflation says 3.2 percent but if you look at core exclude food and energy you're at you know closer to five percent oil food and energy are, are starting to go back up uh, oil prices back up to $85. Gas prices are starting to go up as well. So we're going to see those headline numbers go up. Uh, even the PCE, the personal consumption expenditures that the Federal Reserve really likes to look at, still also is hot. I mean, the, the, these these are hot things that are going on. And yes, the interest rate, the federal funds rate is up from 0% to 5.5%. And I think it'll probably be 6% by the end of the year. Um, what what I am really concerned about, though, is the the, the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve. Um, the interest rates are one indicator, but remember, they target the interest rate. They don't necessarily control them through their monetary open market operations. You've got to look at their balance sheet. Their balance sheet went from $4 trillion to 8 point, or it went to $9 trillion. Now it's back down a little bit to $8.3 That's more than double from what it was right before the pandemic at $4 trillion. And all the money that, you, that they've got out there is in mortgage-backed securities, treasury securities, some agency debt, and financial institutions. So what they're doing are manipulating the economy, keeping interest rates lower than they otherwise would be, which is making things look better on the surface. This is the artificial you know, malinvestments that are happening across the economy and the boom and bust cycles that happen. And, and so I think when you think about this structure that's on a weak system right now, is going to bust uh, substantially. I think we're already in that process and have been for a while. That creates pressure for us not to be the global reserve currency in the world anymore for the dollar, which is one reason why China, India, other countries are starting to sell it off. And that leaves the opportunity for other currencies um, um, like Bitcoin and others uh, to, to, to really come in and fill that void. Well, well again, when, when, you say, just, when you say Bitcoin and others, what others? Yeah. What others? Well, that's, that's a good question. I, I just try, I, try, right? I, try, I try to leave it open from a uh, free market perspective of gotcha. what other ones will come gotcha. up. Yeah. yeah. It's a, let, let the market decide. Well, this this is the thing here. Are, are people going to cho choose the bricks over the dollar? No. I mean, no. I know they're, they're not, not going to choose either. either. Strongly. Strong, I, I mean, and, and that's the thing, Adam, you and I were talking about this a little bit. Like, all the other ones are weak, too. <laughs> are they going to use the Chinese yuan? 
No. Oh. Are they going to the, 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 the Euro? No. Like, where else are you going to go at this point? And so it's just like, it's 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 the strongest one out of all the weak ones. No, that, that I right gotcha. There. Bitcoin. So there I are no others. <laughs> you, you gave, yeah, that by, by official definitions, you know, if you're in a think tank or whatever, uh, you, people will say, look, we're, we're in a recession. Yeah, we're, we're in a recession. Yeah, they're going to redo all the numbers. It's all lie. Of course, we're in a, in a recession. But on the political level, which is, I think, in the end of the day, kind of all that matters is that if the people are told it's the new the new two plus two equals five mm -hmm. is there is no recession and they keep repeating it and they believe it because they get meaning through living vicariously through this government soap opera uh, uh, situation. So I, I don't, you've seen it at the federal level on the on the political. The, the, I mean, do they take into consideration uh, marketing uh, of policies and, and, and wording and everything? And I, I mean, I guess propaganda. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. There, there's a there's an important point I wanted to make sure you guys uh, address before we move on too far. The what Vance said, the as the dollar loses its reserve status right now, I think the dollar is sitting at 58 percent, 56 percent reserve status. And it's been going down for the last 20 years. Like, you know, forget, you know, recent events. It, it was 75% reserve status, maybe at the turn of the millennia. Um, that leaves room for, <clears throat> as you said, other currencies, but and it doesn't necessarily need to be other cryptocurrencies. My question is, as we get go through this deglobalization of, of foreign exchange, how long does it take for another potential chief reserve asset to rise up because uh, and if you look at long-term century old charts centuries old charts you'll see the netherlands france uh the great britain the uh, great britain's pound being the world reserve currency and they all seem to last 80 to 125 years the dollar is coming up on about 100 years reserve status since probably if you want to put it around like world war one um my question is there looks to be a deglobalization where BRICS has their has their little thief. The dollar has this thief. Uh, the euro is going to do what, it's do what it does. In this whole mix-up, one will one will certainly rise to the top. How long does that take, Vance? Yeah. No, that's a good question, Ulrich. And um, I, I wish I knew because <laughs> um, that will be a great bet, right? Like that's where you start putting your money. But I think to your point, though, on looking at the history. Um, you also have to understand why certain countries lost their reserve currency, lost their global power, even looking back at Rome. I mean, you know, you're talking about what, a thousand years, basically, um, whenever whenever they were in, in power and had their their, their dominance. Um, what did they start doing more of? They, they started looking more in, internally. They started cutting off themselves from the rest of the globe um, and things of that nature. And I think that's something that the populist right, and many on the left here in America are now starting to do more of. Um, it, it is a concern for me. Um, I'm also a free trade guy. Uh, look, I think China has problems that we need to address, but I don't think you do that through tariffs. I think we should be, have more free trade with our allies, and, and then that will put more pressure on China to, to change than the exactly. tariffs will because ultimately they don't care about their people. They're a communist country that that is not being elected, right? And, and so I think that creates some issues there. And, and so um, when you look at the BRICS, they're having a lot of troubles too. 
And so how are they going to lead the way for the new currency? I don't see that happening. Um, is it backed by oil or or gold? And and I'm not a huge like gold standard guy either. I think that there are problems with gold standard as well because um, then the, the government can manipulate the price of gold and, and the regulations that are on gold. And so there are some other issues. That's why I usually come back from a free banking system, which I think should be contributed to by, by cryptos, Bitcoin being the main one, right, and things of that nature. Um, and, and to Andy's point, I don't know which other one there would there would be. That's the main one that I think about. But I just say in, in general. Um, but 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 I don't know if I have a great answer for you, Ulrich. I mean, I think that these are all considerations. What we need to be looking at right now. That unfortunately, I feel like we are. You know, they say history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And right now, it's definitely rhyming because we're making a lot of mistakes that we have in the past. Right now, uh, of too much government spending, too much debt too much money printing, all this stuff, <laughs> uh, cutting off from the rest of the globe, trade. I think those are all leading to, if we, if it's not turned around quickly, um, a, a, a tipping point where we will cr have a, a major disaster on our hands if we're not if we're not there already, to be honest. Yeah, and, and it, it cannot be turned around. That's the whole point. Yeah. It's a Ponzi scheme. And the answer, I would say, is slowly but sudden, uh, slowly than suddenly, yeah. I mean, the U.S. dollar was um, uh, gained its power, uh, became reserve currency after World War II. And that was after two world wars where Europe basically destroyed itself. But it was so much destruction in World War II that that they couldn't uh, that that they gladly gave the reserve status to the United States. And I think we're in the midst of a financial destruction right now that's going to rapidly give it over to Bitcoin. And it would not surprise me if it happens within the next few years, uh, because the I mean, the next step is going to be the Fed and all the banks. Look, we've already seen the Chinese, I think, were cutting their rates. Brazil was cutting their rates. These are the vaunted bricks. And eventually the Fed will do it, too. And that will launch hyperinflation. And so you could see it, you know, in the, within a very short amount of time that we're having this crazy discussion about what's next when we all know what's next. Uh, Bitcoin is the first time there's ever been an option um, that will work for a long period of time as opposed to someone else powerful taking over from the last power. This will be the people taking over and there'll be a great role for government, except it'll be uh, doing productive things, not sucking life out of people. Well, I think cutting cutting rates is next. Definitely. They, they, they will cut rates sooner than people uh, expect i think and i i think they can uh, live off of that i don't think it'll bring about hyperinflation think either. about think about the debt and and vance can give us some more perfect numbers about it i mean this 33 trillion of debt and don't don't forget all the off balance sheet stuff that's all financed at low duration interest rate uh it's going to have to be refinanced now so there's no way they could pay it unless they cut rates I, I, and I, yeah. I think I think the CBDC will be involved. In so, and speaking of the CBDC, I think the United States, again, which will help the dollar, is that we, we, all the major company, major countries will have their central bank digital currencies. Um, the people in the smaller countries will choose, will now have an easy digital way to get into these currencies. They'll forget about their hyperinflated currencies. It will cause all sorts of chaos in these smaller countries, but I think it will empower some of, some of the larger countries. So I did, one thing I forgot to ask, in the White House, was there, did you ever hear any uh, CBDC talk, central, central bank digital currency talk? Not, not really, um, not at that time. Do you, do you believe that they are going in that direction, uh, the current administration? 
I, I think so. I mean, I think that there is a, I mean, I, I, the Fed has already talked about it quite a bit. And I, and I think from the Biden administration, they're looking at it. They want to centralize power as much as possible. I mean, I think that's where you have this um, central government, global government, if you will, creating global tax policy. And I mean, it's, it's going to end up being global fiscal policy, which means also global currency policy. So all these things are starting to line up, whether you look at IMF or others, um, there is a push to do just this. And, and I think here recently there, you know, there was talk about these tax havens where countries have that have lower taxes that people are putting parking their money there instead. And they're saying, look, we need to get rid of that. We need to have, make sure that there is um, a, a global minimum tax or something along those lines and to make sure that we get around that. And so I can see this administration, uh, the Fed, they're going to continue to push for CBDC, which I think is a terrible idea to have a central bank digital currency. Look how much they've ruined the dollar. Why would we give them access to something else like this? Yeah, well, I, I, interesting take on this. Before we move on from the uh, pending, potential uh, pending uh, financial disaster, any, anyone else have anything else to say real quick? Because um, I want to go, I want to go. We're talking I'll about. I'll just add, you know, my my view. I said it last time. I don't believe there'll ever be CBDCs hmm. because any attempt to create them would cause total financial disaster, like Atlas hmm. Shrugged at the very end. There's no, there's no way to do it without causing a destruction because the supply side would collapse and uh, there'd be total loss of confidence and everything. And things like Bitcoin would go to like a zillion dollars, hmm. and that would draw all the attention of all the big money. Well, I mean, again, we, we, let's talk about the, the propaganda. Two plus two equals five. If, if they're told that Bitcoin is for terrorists, people, the, the dollar is for... No, no, but I'm talking about, look what happened. Look what happened just, we were talking about this during the pandemic, that short amount of time where supply chains broke down because they couldn't physically work. Well, that's what exactly what would happen if they tried to institute some kind of fake uh, currency. People, business, businesses wouldn't work anymore. They wouldn't want the currency and they would and they would go on strike and everything would fall apart. Well, you have to have money to fund a CBDC. You can't just say I'm going to do it. They're already broke and it would cause inflation just announcing that they're going to do it. So I, I just don't think any of those will ever work. I think we'll never get that far. Well, we'll, we'll I think we're we might see we might. I, I, I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see the attempt. Uh, we'll I, attempt I, it. We'll attempt it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Ulrich, any comments before we uh, move on no. to, uh, to to Argentina here, real quick? Because we're talking about international. We're talking about BRICS. We're talking you know, the BRICS are the countries that are all they're, they're on the always on the verge of becoming huge. Brazil, India, um, and China actually has become huge. But you know, the, the, the next generation. Well, Argentina is one of the past, but then one of the future, and blah blah blah. Well, anyway, Argentina is legendary. For, you know, every 10 years they have hyperinflation or, or something like that. Well, they just had a, an election and they, they need another election because no one won the majority, but the, no one uh, over 50 percent. This guy named Javier Millet. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. This I had heard of him beforehand. He had had a popular uh, little clip on Twitter where he's talking about how great uh, well, that, that, that fiat is a scam. And then he liked Bitcoin. When it, he is a, he's a libertarian. He really is a libertarian. He's in the Argentine uh, parliament right now, I believe. And he won. And usually they love to elect uh, leftists like uh, Cristina Fernandez and her relatives and her husband and her son. Or, I mean, it's, it, it's unbelievable some of the things that, that go on down there. 
But this guy is, is totally the opposite. And he's they're, they're calling him all the names they called, you know, in that original, uh, when I introduced Dr. Van Skin, the, the, the Texas Observer called him all these, you know, radical, this, that. They're calling Javier Millet the same things. He's promoting a competition of currencies, permitting citizens to choose their monetary system freely, freely or the dollarization of the economy, as well as unifying the exchange rate by freeing it immediately from all capital controls. I mean, if this guy really does this, if this guy lets people, you know, pick Bitcoin, pick the dollars, that they just forget about, you know, the Argentine, stop printing the Argentine peso to oblivion. You know, that that's the end game every single time. If he, if he does, he's going to serve as a, because Argentina is a, was a very wealthy country. I mean, in terms of natural resources, it's, it's very wealthy. Very, very, it could be around 1900. It was one of the most wealthiest countries on the planet. It, it, it's a tremendous country. If they were to go even do, you know, just, just talk positively about Bitcoin. If he does have, if he's really a libertarian, um, it, it'll be a much bigger story uh, than El, El Salvador. And I don't know, I mean, what will it mean for El Salvador? What will it mean for the United States? What will it mean uh, for other countries? What will it mean for Bitcoin? What do you think about this already? Well, I mean, if you Google search anything about Javier Millet, I mean, he's hated by anything from a traditional news query. Um, he's considered a danger to society because he opposes what? Central banking, uh, feminism, the LGBT movement, global warming policy, sex education, public schools and public schools. I think in general as well, he just doesn't he doesn't like any of it. So he's he's essentially a minarchist, which I kind of find myself in where you know you believe that everything in society except for generally police courts and military should be uh should be privatized and i mean is this revolutionary thinking yeah you know is this an extremist yeah uh and is argentina in need of a revolution or extreme change yeah <laughs> you know they've they've gone through i was looking at the numbers where where, where are my numbers it says that they they've have 20 25% inflation in 2017 and spiking in, in, in the going on the path of 100% inflation year over year this year. Um, so in my, in my opinion, like, I think the people are saying enough is enough. Like the socialism isn't working. I know it's, it's like the warm, cuddly pol uh, politics. It's not working, you know, and it's showing itself. It's showing its ugly, rearing its ugly head in Argentina year after year. Is he going to make Bitcoin legal tender like El Salvador? I don't care. And I've I've always been that that style. The best the best president for Bitcoin is one that gets the hell out of the way. Um, he, presidents and, po and politicians that believe that they can enact laws to support or to limit Bitcoin. Oh, are they going to regulate Bitcoin? That's a favorite normie question. OK, how? What does regulate mean? They don't even know. They just hear that buzzword in the news and then all of a sudden it scares people away from it. So I do think that he'll probably do something like El Salvador where, where he'll bring dollarization to Argentina uh, and allow Bitcoin as a free in in the country as a free market of monies. And may the best money win. Well, again, he's still going to win in October, but I also think there could be a domino effect of sorts um, that could inspire some other nations to do some pro-Bitcoin type of things. Um, I, I, I do 
hope that, but I am just, I am amazed that he, you know, in, in the United States, we have a libertarian party that kind of talks this guy's game, uh, sort of, and they're so minimized. I mean, but so I, I just, uh, I imagine a guy like this becoming president of the United States. So that, that, that what do you think about that, uh, Dr. Vanskin there? Uh, yeah. If something like this were to happen in the United States, if it's even, would this make it even increase the likelihood of something like this even happening? If this happens to a, you know, pretty legitimate country like Argentina. I, I hope so. I, I think given the state of the state of, uh, of our economy, the state of just society in general, there's, there's so much tension that's going on in America that we, that we could, this could happen here soon. Um, when I was looking at the New York times, their article a couple of days ago said far right libertarian wins Argentina's presidential primary. Javier Malay, who wants to abolish the central bank. Yes. And adopt the U.S. dollar as Argentina's currency is now the front runner in the fall general election. You know, and as Ulrich was was talking about that, you think about what's happening there. Um, it says the peso has plummeted in value. Annual inflation has surpassed 115 percent. Nearly 40 percent of the population, four out of 10, is impoverished, and the country is struggling to repay its 44 billion dollar debt to the IMF. I mean, these are major problems that we are finding a lot of that here in America, <laughs> here in the U.S. And so I think when you start seeing the tension, the uncertainty about the future, that it is driving more people to talk about, you know, uh, ending the Fed. Um, I was just at an event last week with Young Americans for Liberty. I emceed their event, um, a great group there. And, and you, know, you had Ron Paul talk. You had Senator Rand Paul um, you had Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy was there and all of them were talking about, you know, ending the fed and, and, and things of that nature. And, and so I think when you start to see the tension and the, the generation, um, Z and everybody else, they're like, Hey, look, the system is working against us. And it is inflation is hurting them. Inflation and, and all this money creation has, has made it to where housing prices are unaffordable. For, for a lot of the younger folks that are out there, um, I'm, I was born in 81, so I'm right at the end of the millennial generation. But the younger millennials, it's very difficult for even them to be able to buy a home right now. And so when you start having that sort of groundswell, you start to see the dynamics change. And I'm hopeful that that will lead to more libertarian, more classical liberal. That's what I consider myself, classical liberal um, ideas to come about, because if not, we will end up like Argentina. <laughs> we, we will be there very soon um, because we have, you know, one out of every five is in poverty in, in the U.S., you know. And, and, and I think when you think about these sort of situations and the debt that's over 130 percent of GDP um, and, and things of that nature, we've got some major problems that, if, that we've really got to turn around quickly or we will be in the same situation. You mentioned Vivek. He's a Bitcoin fan also. After hearing him speak, and I've heard him speak at the Bitcoin conference in Miami, um, do you think he, he, if he became president, he would actually implement uh, these financial uh, so-called radical uh, policies that he has uh, spoken about quite confidently? Uh, it's good that he's at least talking about it, <laughs> you know, and I'm hopeful that he puts the right people in place that will make those changes. That's one thing I did find out, you know, going back to the White House. You know, the, the president has a lot of power and, and there's a lot of things they could they could change and, and talk about. But really, it's about who they have in those positions. Um, you know, you may agree or disagree with, with Trump in general, but I think there were a lot of good people in a lot of places across um, across the government. Um, maybe there could have been better in, in certain places for sure. But I think that let's see who he puts in place um, by hopefully replacing Jerome Powell 
or or and 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 who um, FTC I think will be important. Who is who's going to be there? Um, um, SEC. I mean, all of these types of entities are going to be really important for whoever is going to be the next president. And I think so far, uh, Vivek would be the the the, the best positioned to try to lead in this direction, given that he's kind of an outsider uh, and, and given how much that he's talking about these, these different issues. Did you get to speak to him one-on-one by any chance? I did. Yeah. Uh-oh. Oh, Adam's frozen. He froze. Um, I, okay. Going, but yeah, I did speak to Vivek and we had a good discussion. Sorry. sorry he's I'm... back. He's back. Uh-oh. <laughs> it shows um, red. Yeah, go ahead and um, finish your statement. Then we'll go to Andy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I did talk to Vivek some, and we had a good discussion. He's he's a lively guy. He's, he's really um, good to talk to and everything else. I think, yeah, look, I mean, he's got a good opportunity right now to continue to, to message these things. We'll see what happens during the primaries and everything else, um, but I'm, I'm glad he's there to shake things up. All right. I, I, I am here. I just, uh, just okay. had a little, little bit of an issue here. Uh, also, one one final question about Vivek. I mean, this is this is off the cuff type of stuff here. Um, knowing what you know about, well, I don't know if you know anybody that's left in the Trump administration. If he if he happened to win again, um, do do you think that they would try to incorporate uh, Vivek in some position in the Trump administration? Yes, I, 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 yes, I think so. I think they will. Um, and, and one thing I, I would um, just just for for our knowledge is I, I learned this recently, just last week. It's Vivek. So apparently he is he doesn't like cake, right? Vivek cake. Yep, yep. So that's how you, you pronounce his name. But yeah, no, I think I think he would, you know, be someone in the Trump administration if that was to happen. Um, you know, I, I'm I would really like to be some some other changes that are going on. You know, I don't like all these indictments and everything else that's happening right now. And uh, you know, I'm cautious about that, but I, I think we need a different direction. Um, and I think that uh, Trump has a lot of qualities that are that are good about, you know, taking putting people to the feet to the fire, the art of the deal. Look, I mean, we're going to negotiate as far. But I think there are some things that that are kind of missing there. Whenever you think about trade, when you think about currencies um, and, and things of that nature, uh, we need a little bit different direction uh, from my perspective. And so we'll, we'll see what happens. But I but I I would like to see someone with a little more cl- classical liberalism uh, really come out. Well, then I, I want to go back to federalism real quick. Yeah. Um, that there's been one person in, in the race that has uh, de- demonstrated a, a classic of federalism. Adam, Adam, could I, uh, could I give my view on the Argentinian? Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, um, I'll, I'll say I think I've made it pretty clear. I think Naibu Kelly is the greatest politician of our time. <laughs> and I think, I think that I think El Salvador is you know, in the early stages of being the greatest story of our lifetime to see a country that small and that impoverished. And that was a complete basket case rising to power. And it really is. Uh, they're in the early stages of, of becoming a, a, a major economic power and maybe a major uh, social power, like where they, they are trendsetters. He's shown the way of taking a country uh, on a Bitcoin standard and it's been successful. And as far as these other elections, look, it's, I mean, look, they're not going to make the dollar the currency of Argentina. That's not going to help any. Uh, and uh, the BRICS are all basket cases. There's nothing, there's nothing good about any of those countries. Uh, and uh, there's, there's not going to be any coordination. There's not going to be any basing currencies on anything. They're, they all have to make decisions for themselves. 
And they're all going to, you know, one at a time, you're going to see people like this guy in Argentina start to win votes. Uh, you know, I mean, it started with people like Marine Le Pen. It started with people like Trump, people who were not supposed to win and were not mainstream. Uh, and it's going to be more and more like that. I believe this guy probably will win in Argentina. And I think I think you'll see, uh, like you said, the domino effect. There'll be more of those. And some of these guys, because, you know, Vance, I, I, I don't believe Trump or Biden will be elected by the time we get to next year's election. I don't even know who it'll be, but I'll bet you it's someone who's got uh, views that like what we're talking about here. Hopefully someone like Robert Kennedy's views where he says, yeah, Bitcoin is great. We should own it. So we'll see. I, I agree with you on the, uh, the, the the BRICS will not be able to coordinate it at all. But uh, again, dollarizing is better than hyperinflating the peso because the it, it, good it, stopgap for now. It's like the stable coins, like Tether yeah, and yeah. USDC, where are they used? They're used in South America. They're used yeah. in, in the islands, Central America. Is it, I, I just wrote an email to a coworker, like what, like my cousin's getting his stable coins. What, look, if you're in America, it's a, it's just as troll, just as much of a scam as a dollar. But for people like we're looking at the Argentina, Argentinian peso, 80 percent, 90 percent, 100 percent. It's a no brainer. Like the dollar is the best fiat currency. And it like Andy says, a stock. Yeah. Well, they, I want to say about the El Salvador president real quick. Um, I, I don't want to pedestal this guy at all because this is we're and I've warned Bitcoiners about this. You know, saying that he's the, the best politician of all time. I mean, it's, it's I think it's hyperbole there a little bit. Uh, you're putting yourself in a really bad position. Of our time, not of our time, not all time. If there's a coup, <laughs> if, if there's a coup, yeah. or if he or, or something happens, it's all gone in two seconds. It re, it really is, and it's just not. It doesn't have the history of relative cultural stability that a country like Argentina has uh, compared to it, it, it's, 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 it's a bit different, a Central American small little country compared to gigantic uh, Argentina compared to gigantic has Argentina been has Argentina been a stable country. It hasn't been wild. Yeah, I don't it hasn't so. been wild coups like that. It's a European. I've been there before. If, it's like if, if there can be some state stability, if there can be some stability in El Salvador, we we do know that the company, the countries with the highest per capita income, uh, Singapore, Taiwan, Luxembourg, uh, these smaller republics have shown great prosperity because it's 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 a reference to smaller government wins out. These big governments, they're hard to control. They want to control more. They get stars in their eyes. They want to conquer the world. Small governments, they know what they can do and they and they do it right. And so I think that El Salvador could potentially be the Singapore of well, the West there you go. In, the, in the future. I've been to Singapore before also. And what, what they are, you, you, the points you bring up about it, how they maintain control is, yeah, it is small. It is a small population. So they, it's similar in population, but they control it in a uh, semi-dictatorship type of thing. Uh, type. That's both type, countries. Type and so... When, that's a way to control a small country, semi, you know, a, kind of like a king or whatever. But if the guy is tweeting on the toilet that he's buying Bitcoin, is that the king that you want? Where is that going to lead as opposed to the guys in Singapore who are focused, high IQ individuals with no feeling or emotion at all? We're comparing different type of situations here. And where it, you know, there's there's not going to be a coup, but you will be – I mean – the, you know, he's he's gone military 
over there a little bit. I mean, it's nice that he's gotten rid of the criminals, but is he taking it too far? I don't know. Again, that's why I like the Argentine uh, ex- possible experiment as a Adam, contrast. Adam, we just so- had we just had a coup in Russia, right? We're pretty much having them here with all these indictments of of our presidents. Um, I mean, Brazil is a, is a complete mess. India, they is it run by a dictator. Coup. I'm not talking about China. Real, the guy took over. Gee, he's holding us forever. That was a fake. That was that was an act. <laughs> <laughs> Wagner was playing playing games. <laughs> I mean, a, a, a real coup is just it's over. What what? Why was are we talking about a coup? No there is no coup. What are you, I mean, I, I think there he doesn't make him a bad political leader. Yeah, you could have a coup, but there's no coup. He's, I'm saying there's a threat he's doing great. In, in that country. Of all the countries you just mentioned, the, the biggest threat of a coup is in El Salvador. It is. It just that's the way. That's their history. That's the way it is. It's just I just don't want people. I, I like that there's this Argentine. Don't put El, El Salvador on a pedestal. Okay, right? don't put. It, I, I think people are in. I don't want people to be let down. I don't want if there ends up being a coup there. I don't want the big the Bitcoin price is going to cr- is going to crash the next day. Sadly, I mean it, they're going to blame the coup on Bitcoin. Look what happens. You yeah, put Bitcoin exactly. in, in you're going to you're going to lose your government. It's going to be all chaos. Yeah. So we want we want to we want to be humble about El Salvador, but at the same time be hopeful. Bitcoin, Bitcoin doesn't need El Salvador, and no, the Bitcoin don't. price would not crash if there was a coup in El Salvador. Oh, yeah. It would stop in El Salvador, but um, people need their state. People need to say that's the be problem. doing the coup. Like, who, who exactly is he? Has like a 90% approval rating. So, who exactly? Uh, <laughs> I know, but that's I mean, so does North Korea. Korean leader. Leader. If they want to take mean, over. I don't believe this statistic. North, it's North Korean leaders, 99, 100%. Uh, well, I there's mean, no coups anything, in North Korea. It, it, it's a history. <laughs> so. uh, it, it, there, there's a history there. I, again, we're, we're, we're putting them on a pedestal because they did something good. The Central African Republic went all Bitcoin, then they didn't. I mean, did these not are go whimsical all people. These are whimsical. They're whimsical. You know, it, it, it's it's not the focus that I think some people think there there might be there. I think it's become kind of like a sideshow with Max Kaiser also down there. I mean, it's anyway. We've gone off. We go. We got off on a tangent. I will say, Vance, this is an it's example. Good. If you want to do a basket of, of cryptocurrencies, look at Central yeah. Africa and see. Look at the Central African Republic, and that's your example. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Stick, stick with Bitcoin. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Real quick, Vance, you, you had a tweet that I really liked. Uh, you, you talked about uh, uh, this, the Google uh, antitrust case. I think the government is still going after Google, although they can't go as, you know, as much as – I mean, this is populism gone wild. You talked about private property and capitalism. That is the foundation of capitalism. Populism is anger and envy to a point where you can, uh, it, it makes it right to confiscate property. And that's what I feel antitrust law is all about. Uh, yeah. Getting the people excited to a point and scapegoating where it's okay to confiscate a corporation's uh, a private property because you classify them as so-called monopoly, even though they're real competitors. So yeah. this, this continues. So I, I wanted to know if you had anything else to say about that. No, I, I, that's right, Adam. And, I, I, and for the audience, I'd like to then go check out on Pelican Institute, so pelicanpolicy.org. Uh, I wrote this paper, Antitrust and Enforcement, Letting Markets Work Without Empowering Government. It was with Ted Belima. Uh, we, we wrote this paper and talked a lot about these types of issues where really we need to stick to the consumer welfare standard. FTC, the DOJ, Lena Khan, and others are trying to move us off of that because they want their 
intended objectives met, <laughs> their subjective decisions made um, to break up these companies instead of letting markets work. I mean, like I said earlier, I think the, the monopolies are really by government, not by the private market. As long as there is competition and there's um, uh, not major barriers to entry, which are caused by government, then you have competition that's allowed throughout the marketplace. And so I, I don't have any issue with with Google, you know, uh, Amazon uh, and others because there is a huge demand for their products. And if there's not, then stop using them. Don't 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 make it to where government comes in and creates a, a, a quote unquote bad situation and makes it work worse. Many people talk about market failures. Right. And they'll go through all this list of reasons why there's market failures. And I, I think that's a bunch of crap. Really, what there is are government failures. What you have is you have government situations that make the market look like it's failing. But really, it's government created problems along the way. And so what I would like to see is more private property rights, more opportunity for these businesses to profit and expand and do what they're going to do and fail. The more that the government comes in and breaks these companies up and doing other things, the less failure there's going to be. And it's actually going to make more monopolies, quote unquote, more monopolies, stronger businesses in the process. And that's also the history, kind of going back to your point about you know, El Salvador and other types of countries history. That's also what we've seen with antitrust history. And, and so I don't think we want to get into this aspect of getting away from the precedent that's already been set by the consumer welfare standard and moving in a different direction if we're going to have antitrust law at all, which I think could be debated um, and, and it should be. But if we are, let's at least have something that's more objective of a metric than the subjective determinations of mergers and acquisitions and everything else that these folks, I mean, they're really radicals. If you want to talk about radicals, they are big government radicals that are trying to ruin our economy and, and our, 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 our uh, profitability sort of mechanisms that allow for us to flourish and to let people prosper along the way. I think Ayn Rand said this: uh, the, the antitrust laws were the worst laws possible. I, I, I don't think they should exist right. at all. And I just want people out there. I know people are angry at Google and Facebook and all these things. It is, it is a way for the government to confiscate property. If yeah. you allow this, they're going to come after you in some way to confiscate your property. Not through monopolies, but if it's, all, it's through some other weird thing. It will it will hurt us all in the long run if we conf, if we compromise our our basic principles of private property. This is mine. This is yours, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I, again, we're, we're running toward the end of the show here real quick. Andy, any thoughts on, on the antitrust and uh, Google? Well, well, not so much on Google, but I will say it, this is uh, really cool to have uh, Vance on the show here uh, because he's uh, an insider uh, of sorts and he's also very young. And uh, and he's in the Bitcoin. He's in the Bitcoin realm. So let me tell you, Vance, you have a real opportunity for um, a great career. I mean, hopefully you'll start it out by investing personally to make yourself wealthy enough to do the things you need to do. But, uh, you know, you, you know, you're fighting all these wind, tilting all these windmills. And I think you see from the inside that these things don't work. And you are, you, that's why you're here on a Bitcoin show, because you get it. So I really yeah. I wish you the best of luck in um, in uh, in what you do in the future. And the more time you spend uh, incorporating Bitcoin into it, the more success you're going to have both personally and professionally. That's <laughs> it's, it's explore it a little more because yeah. you, you, there's so much crossover from what you talk about 
into what we talk about. And that's yeah. why I, I, I had you here today. And what, think, let, <clears throat> let me ask you this, guys. What do you, I mean, I've, I've read some books on Bitcoin and, and, and others. What do y'all usually recommend as being the, the best place to go for, for some of these resources? Is, is there one? I'll, I'll chime in. I'd say the, the best place you want to go is, is crazy. Twitter. Spend some time on Bitcoin Twitter. That's right. Okay. I was right, cool. absolutely cool. going to say X, that. X, there's right. books, there, books are static. Yeah. Um, yes. Good to see good the dynamic conversation in real life, but you have to follow the right people because there are people yep. who are playing playing both sides of the fence when it comes to Bitcoin and other things. There are mm -hmm. people who shift, who shift their perspective where they were Bitcoiners, but somehow they got wrecked by a bear market. I call it Bit uh, bear market derangement syndrome. Mm. And now they start talking about other things. People who people who stay true to their principles that were Bitcoin only or Bitcoin initially, maybe they wrote a book. Follow those people. Um, reach you know reach out to them. Ask Adam about who to follow. Ask me. Well, ask Andy. We yeah. we have some people for you. Well, cool. because Safedine's book basically boy I read it or I audio booked it. It, it. it does boil down to separation of money and state. So I mean that's a good. That's a good crossover right there. Safedine, I, I can't pronounce his name. I mean, right. Safedine's book is like, I mean, it's like reading Atlas Shrugged. It's the same stuff. Vance understands yeah. all this stuff. He's just in the government world of the, I get it, but this is my job is to fix what we have and make it best. But, you know, at some point, you, I think you're realizing that you can't fix it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, who do you follow? Look, uh, I learned early on from people like Antreas, uh, Antonopoulos. I learned mm. from people like Adam. Uh, but eventually, you're just going to come to you. You're on Twitter, and you just yep. you see incremental news. You process it. Look, there's only 21 million that are ever going to exist. Mm -hmm. There's 19 million now. Probably five million are lost forever. Uh, we're going to have a halving. The hash rate hit a new all-time high today. It's going up parabolically. It'll keep going up parabolically. And you're going to just keep seeing inflation and and political dysfunction everywhere, and more and more people will buy it. But as far as learning, I think you know all you need to know about it. Yeah. You just need to like like Ulrich says, you go on Twitter and you you follow just a, a handful of smart people, and you'll 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 get all the cross uh, tweets and stuff. You'll see the intelligence stuff, and you'll know it's the integration. It's yep. the integration yeah. of Bitcoin yeah. theory with Bitcoin in real time in the real world. Exactly. Nice. Yep. And then yep. the next, and then your unique thing that you can do is just get some, just invite them on your show. Invite them. Yeah. They're very friendly. They love being on shows. So get some of these guys to yeah. just see who I follow. I, yeah. I, think I, I follow some hardcore guys and everything. I retweet some hardcore guys. So yeah, just, just, just invite Good. them on the show. And, and, oh, you uh, have a show, Vance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let people prosper show. Yeah, yes, yes. He's got a great. It's, uh, it's on YouTube and everything else, and I have a Substack. I'll go on your show. Okay. All right, cool. And, and we could definitely talk about people who could make your show high profile. Believe me, if you want to make your show Bitcoin friendly, yeah. you know, you start out with people like Adam. There are people yeah. like, let's say like a, like a Dylan LeClaire, right? If you got him as a guest and I'm sure he'd be happy to be there. Everyone would know about you in a hurry in the Bitcoin community and you would quickly, and he's yeah. just one guy. He's a young guy like you, probably yeah. younger than you. But, you know, guys like that, everyone in Bitcoin will know you and you will learn everything about Bitcoin in two seconds. <laughs> nice. Okay, right. good. Well, we're, we're talking about our, our, our projects here. Let's just yeah. go real quick yeah. what we're doing and then we'll, we'll get out of here. So, Ulrich, uh, talk about what you're doing. Then Andy, then we'll uh, we'll close with Dr. Vansky. 
Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, again, my name is Ulrich Patillo. I have a few projects that I've that I've worked on or or am working on. Uh, chief one that I'm working on right now is called the Belt of Truth, which is a Substack um, that essentially com- intersects Christian ethics with uh, with Bitcoin ethics and you know hard money, uh, libertarian economics, and finding where those types of freedom tenets are in the Bible and how it and how the Bible can apply to a Bitcoiner's life. Uh, also, I've written probably, uh, I would say, 16 published articles on various platforms, whether it's Swan Blog, it's com- one's coming out this week, Pleb Underground, uh, Pleb Underground represent uh, having another one out coming this week. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm an essayist and I like to write from an ethical standpoint and applying real, real estate, uh, sports, Many different things and how different different microeconomies can be affected by Bitcoin. And additionally, the Declaration of Monetary Independence, um, which we make, which I make in a in a physical form to go to conferences where people can sign it. It's sort of a graffiti-like way, take pictures. It's a totem, but it's actually like written, like the Declaration of Independence, talking about what's bad about fiat money and what's good about Bitcoin. Thank you for having me on the show, Adam. All right, Andy. Well, I'm not working on anything, but I'm working on getting Vance to be mainstream. Uh, and because I think he has a real future. Uh, I love being on your show as always. It's great to see you again, Ulrich. And um, hopefully I'll see you all again soon. This is what I love, getting people together in motion, connecting people who might have not been connected. But I love it. I love it. It's, it's, you're, you're witnessing. Okay, Dr. Vance, again, you, yeah. I, I've got your information linked to below. But, I mean, to tell the people what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, this has really been a great discussion. I, I really appreciate the thoughts from Ulrich and Andy and yourself, Adam. We got to keep this going. I love to be back on and kind of bounce off some more ideas as we go through this because there's, there's a lot to do. Yeah, you are exactly right. We need to find some new paths because the path right now is leading to destruction. And, and ultimately what my God-given calling, what I believe is my God-given calling is to let people prosper. And I think that's done by getting government out of the way by allowing for people to live however they're going to live. And prosperity doesn't just mean material things. It means spirituality. It means religion. It means psychology, you know, psychologically, socially, whatever that's going to be for you. That's really what it should be. I'm a, I'm a Christian classical liberal, um, and, and this is what I do. I've got three kids. I live in Round Rock, Texas. Uh, but I'm just trying to make this world a better place. You know what I mean? And so I do that through a podcast called Let Feel Prosper. You can also check my website out, advancedskin.com. I'm, I'm an academic too. I still do research and, and d- dive deep into stuff where I, I publish academic papers and journals and everything. Um, and, and, and also deal with a lot of public policy folks and legislators and you know key folks that are out there and trying to advise them. That's where I formed this Gin Economic Consulting to advise them on the best path forward as well. To where, you know, look, we need tax reforms, we need spending restraints and things of that nature. And, and ultimately, money is going to be a big part of that, and no matter what. And so we've got a lot to do, um, but really appreciate the opportunity to be on the show today. Um, and, and I look forward to other things in the future, maybe having y'all on, on my show and, and, and talking about that as well. Well, this is the thing I wanted to create. You know, this show of mine, I used to do this every single, I mean, I used to do every single day, then every yeah. single week, just this show. And now it's made a comeback here. And my, what I wanted to do is have a regular panel. 
So I love these guys yeah. have been the regulars. Now you say you'd like to return. So maybe yeah. we've got our regular panel here, people. Tell me what you think in the comment section. Is this the regular panel that you want? I think we've got a diverse group. Two Christian guys, two Jewish guys. The yeah. guy in Texas, California. The Colorado. old and new testament. Let's go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, 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 we've got all sorts of different forms of, of diversity here it is it's very interesting uh maybe maybe i hit the nail on the head today dude that you got to be in motion you got to keep on trying i want to thank you guys for a unique beast of a show pound that like button everybody who knows? you might get the same panel back next week in two weeks who knows but i i you can tell i'm very excited so it's it's wednesday but shabbat shalom on friday and saturday and again i'm out of my bitcoin Meister to this run, Meister. Follow me on Twitter. I'm going to retweet all these guys. Follow all of them. And uh, yeah, keep on spreading the, the Bitcoin word. word. Thanks a lot again, guest. Um, we'll talk after I push end stream. Bye bye. Ending stream. Okay, it ended. And.